This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put, oh, he's going hard. Hello and welcome to the Republic of Football show that decided to pull a little audible today. If you are listening to us, that means you are obviously not watching us live because it's Thanksgiving weekend and we got people all over the state, people trying to hit the road. We're very festive people here in the audience, so we're deciding we'll just we'll just do the audio, take it old school again. Take it old school. Take it old school. I'm your host, Ishmael Johnson, as usual here. Sitting across from me is Mallory Hartley. Mallory, how are you? I am doing fantastic. How are you? I am doing Ready for Thanksgiving. Good. Yeah. <laughs> and on the other line, again, we're taking it old school like we used to do in his first couple of months here. Mike Craven on the line from Austin. Mike, how you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So this will be our kind of our last full preview before we get into bowl season. Um, obviously, we'll have conference championships and all that stuff coming up. But, you know, as far as like everybody being on the slate, everybody kind of having something left in the regular season, this will kind of be it. Um, I did want to talk about there were two small, nothing crazy in terms of headlines, but two semifinalist lists uh, came out kind of significant for the state. Mm-hmm. The Belitnikov and the Doak Walker came out. I do want to talk about that a little bit. Um, Belitnikov. Mainly, obviously, for the likes of Rasheed Rice and Quentin Johnston and Nathaniel Dell as well. Um, I missed him um, for the given to the best wide receiver in the confer- uh, in the nation, I should say. And then the Doak Walker Award, uh, Bijan Robinson, Kendra Miller, and then if you want to add Deuce Vaughn from Kansas State, uh, obviously a Texas native, all named as semifinalists for the best running back in the ward. Craven, was there anybody missing? From that list, or maybe somebody that you, was on that list that you maybe didn't see. I know we talked about Kendra Miller in the preseason. Um, I don't know if I would have had him necessarily as a Doak Walker finalist or semifinalist. Yeah, I mean, Kendra Miller averaged more yards a carry last year than Zach Evans. So I, mm-hmm. I think the talent was always there. It was just a matter of if they were going to share a backfield or if he was going to get enough carries to put up those kind of numbers. Uh, I think Rasheed Rice, Nathaniel Dell is a pretty interesting combination there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rasheed Rice gets a little bit more of, of the headlines this year, but if you look at the numbers, Dell you know, is far and away uh, the best wide receiver in the state, so that's going to be an interesting decision on my part for just kind of best wide receiver in the state later on in this year. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think everybody's on there that should be on there. I mean, I, I think maybe Zachary Franklin at UTSA has a gripe, mm-hmm. but they spread the ball around so much that it's hard to just pick one guy out of that trio to be on the list. I was about to say, you probably they probably took votes and, and kind of – it was hard to, like, take one of those guys and be like, he's the best one out of that trio. And so they probably took votes kind of away from each other. Or, you know, in that committee, they were like, well, we can't pick one and we can't pick all three, so we kind of just unfortunately have to – you have uh, you have more faith in that committee than I do because I don't <laughs> think they ever even got to that conversation. Also, uh, also possible. So. Also, well, I guess last year it was easy with a because I think Stearns was a semifinalist and like it was easy just to be like, oh yeah, the one guy with all the numbers instead of like all three guys with like the pretty good numbers. So I don't know. We know absolutely that they are deserving of being on this list, and that's definitely the the absence that I kind of uh, sensed from this list. So. Yeah, to be to be a G five player on this list, you need to have a ten touchdown performance on national TV on a Thursday, right. or 
you know, set records like Jarrah Stearns did. Otherwise, you're going to get left off most likely. Yep, basically. All right, let's get into our games of the week because, Jesus Christ, we have some high, high stakes games coming up. Mallory Hartley, what are we going with? Let's start off with the national favorite here. Rice <laughs> playing okay. North Texas in Denton. With the eyes of the nation upon them. This Saturday at 1 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN Plus for some reason. Should be on ESPN. <laughs> North Texas coming in as 14-point favorites. The over-under set at 60. This goes without saying if Rice comes in and beats North Texas, they will become bowl eligible. And if North Texas beats Rice, that pretty much secures their spot for another rematch with U uh, UTSA for the Conference USA Championship. All the eyes of the nation the in Denton, on the Texas, <laughs> in a small subsect of Houston, You heard Texas. it here, folks. You heard it here, folks. Um, I mean, ugh. Craven, where do you want to start with this one? Do you want to start with the fact that this is a better matchup, potentially, for Rice than last week was, um, just stylistically? I still think this is very much, obviously, UNT's game to lose. Um, I think uh, just on the field, in terms of talent, UNT... On the field, in terms of talent, you, it's hard to find a, a more talented team than UNT in general. So, like, I think this is obviously a mismatch in that department. Stylistically, I mentioned very, I don't want to say similar, but more similar than probably Rice was, uh, Rice that benefited uh, UTSA compared to Rice last week. I see UNT kind of doing it big. It's at home, senior day. Like, they have a chance to really, really make something happen, especially knowing that UNT kind of fumbled the bag a little bit um, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, like Mallory said, who needs Michigan, Ohio State when you have Rice at North <laughs> Texas this time of year? I stick by it. Hey, that's what that's what that's what the AAC said, right? They're <laughs> like, give us that rivalry forever. Right, right. It'll be uh, it'll be a big one. Um, yeah, I mean, this one feels like a bad matchup for Rice right now. I think just seeing these teams in person, like mm -hmm. when you see Rice, when you see UTEP, for example. And then you look at North Texas, you look at UTSA. The, the size on the offensive line for North Texas and UTSA is just on a different level. Rice doesn't have dudes like that. Mm -hmm. And even beyond the line, they don't have Katie Davis's. You know, they don't have Jay Macklin's. You know, those guys aren't at Rice. They're not at UTEP. And so uh, talent for talent, North Texas uh, has the advantage here. Rice without their quarterbacks, who knows yeah. if Wiley Green or TJ McMahon's going to start. That hasn't been announced yet since this is Tuesday still. They'll probably get to that you know, Wednesday or Thursday. Um, and then also an advantage for North Texas beyond just playing for, you know, a conference championship game is they had an idle week last week. They were yep. by. And so, you know, with that secondary off week coming off of that, having two weeks to prepare for this rice coming off of a, a game against UTSA where they were blown out and exposed. This feels like everything is pointing towards North Texas. And I think if you're Seth Luttrell in the mean green, that's what worries you. Mm -hmm. You're not going to mm -hmm. show up and lose this game because Rice is more talented or outplays you. The only way you lose this game at home is if you throw three turnovers or have four fumbles or allow a couple special teams touchdowns or the defense just completely uh, breaks down. So if I'm Latrell, what I'm worried about is, is just my team looking past this towards UTSA and already thinking they have one foot in the door. You're going to have to take Rice seriously because it's a team that can score points, that does have talent. Uh, but if North Texas can take care of the football – and not make any dumb mental mistakes throughout the game. I mean, they should win this by double digits. And I, I feel like this kind of, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin, but I, I kind of feel like this has last year's matchup with North Texas and UTSA written all over it. Last year, it was the last game of the season. Coming into that game, I think everybody could kind of sharpie in that UTSA was going to come out undefeated. They were going to beat North Texas last game of the season. 
and that's not what happened. And I think that that kind of has the same feeling towards it a little bit in this game. The, the difference, as I would see it, is UTSA didn't have anything to play for in that game. They were already in the conference championship game. It was already coming to San Antonio. You know, I think the only thing they would really right. be playing for is a perfect record there. Uh, and they were on the road. And the weather was mm-hmm. really bad. I think, conversely, you know, North Texas still has to win this football game. They lose this football game, and everybody in that building shouldn't feel all that safe, right? Like, 6-6, six and six, when you collapse at the end with this loss to Rice, like, that's an indictment on that coaching staff. You know, it's not like an extension's been announced or anything. And so this feels like a much bigger game for North Texas and that coaching staff and those players in the locker room than it did for UTSA this time last year. Yeah, I think so. I think – both, both where this game comes for both programs, Rice coming off a very demoralizing loss to UTSA, yeah. UNT coming off a bye week, but also a pretty embarrassing loss to UAB, right? And so I think that was kind of a gut check moment for them saying, oh, we, we, we had the chance to make it comfortable for ourselves. Now it's a little uncomfortable. They had a right. bye week to get right. Rice is, you know, they probably were hoping for a much better showing last week. And now like, oh, geez, now I feel like mentally it's kind of on different levels for both teams, which, like you mentioned, puts it kind of more in UNT's, you know, in in more UNT's uh, wheelhouse to maybe be the odds on favorite, which is also room for them to potentially mess it up. So we'll see. Um, Yeah, obviously, I would love for Rice to have the validation of this year and get to a bowl. um, But also, I want to see that rematch in the Alamo Dome. So. (laughs) Either way, we're going to get a banger, right? I, I, think, I, I, I think hope, it's, I hope be... it's a good – I really just hope it's a good game. That's right. What, I just hope – that's that's my thing, right? If UNT comes out on top and it's a close game, I think that – I th- it's not a bowl game, but I do think Rice can come out and, like, it's less of a – it's less of an indictment on this staff and Bloomgren as, as opposed to, like, 42-7. to 7. Right. Right. At 42-7, to 7, they lose, and it's like, all right, they're probably making some changes. If it's, like – 28-24 UNT, I think there's some more optimism to him maybe coming back. Right. I don't know, but, you know, we'll do, have to see. And do we know if TJ McMahon is playing? Oh, that's – yeah, Cravens, it's, it's it's early in the week. We just don't know yet. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, all right, moving on. Mallory, what's next? Let's oh, – this is probably more of a, of a better game of the week. Baylor playing <laughs> Texas this Friday at uh, 11 a.m. on ESPN. Is that correct, Craven? Probably Saturday. Yep. No Friday. Oh, I guess probably because of Thanksgiving and stuff like that. I'm so thrown off. The by that. vaunted Texas Baylor Thanksgiving tradition. You know, <laughs> they've, been try- <laughs> they've been trying to make a uh, the, ever since AM left the Big Twelve. They've been trying to make this like a new Got rivalry it. work after Thanksgiving. Got it. And it's and it, one year it was TCU. They tried to make that happen for a while, and now they're just saying screw it, Baylor. We'll see. <laughs> well, Texas is coming in as eight and a half point favorites. The over under set at fifty six. Should be a pretty good one if Baylor can live up to what they played how they played last week i should say yeah for at least uh the first half at least yeah um craven what do you think in this one yeah i mean my worry for baylor is just their mental frame of mind after that loss you know you you get so close and that can be devastating you know you do you play a a, almost perfect game like i've seen baylor fans kind of gripe about the offense you know over this last week but baylor put up 28 points on a defense that only allowed three Mm -hmm. offensively to texas the week before so uh, you know, it's just it's hard to get that close and then to get right back up for a game. Uh, for me, Baylor just feels like a team that that didn't replace the leaders inside the locker room uh, that they lost from last year, and, and that's why they're not 
finishing close games. You know, they're two and three in one possession games compared to four and one the year before. You know, if they were four and one again in those close possession games, they'd be playing for a Big 12 championship in a rematch against TCU, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're right there. They're talented enough to pull this upset. Uh, but if you're Texas, I, I think last week, you know, it probably shouldn't take it until week 11 to figure this out. But I think last week you started to see Sark realize that this is this is how we win football games. Mm-hmm. Quinn Ewers needs to throw the ball 25 under 30 times a, a game. Bajon Robinson needs as many touches as humanly possible. Mix in the other, you know, running backs that they have. I don't know if Rashawn Johnson will be fully healthy for this one or not. But even if he's not, you know, they got Jonathan Brooks, Jaden Blue, a really talented backfield. And so if you're the Longhorns, I think you just go in here and you try to mash Baylor. And even if it doesn't work early, you just keep at it. That defense for UT has been really impressive this year. They've continued to play really well. So, you know, for me, it's going to be which team can establish the run more. If Texas can run the ball consistently and stop the run, I think they blow out Baylor. If Baylor's able to run the football and slow Texas's running game down enough to make Sark throw a lot of passes in the second half, I think Baylor stays right with them and scares them just like they did TCU, and it's just going to come down uh, to a couple plays at the end. Yeah, I think where Baylor, where Texas' defense is vulnerable isn't exactly the strength of Baylor's offense. And so testing that secondary, I I feel like Grimes would will game plan to have – to maybe set something up like that, right? Obviously, they're going to lean towards that zone, that that wide zone. But obviously, I think he's going to scheme some guys open to maybe exploit one or two times uh, in that first half. But I will say, like you mentioned, that Texas defense and particularly that front seven against the pass, like I wouldn't bother rushing, like blitzing anybody because make you make basically make Blake shape and find the holes in the zone make Blake shape and get off that first read cuz that's where he hurts you that's where he hurt TCU last week was when that first read's open he makes a confident throw boom he's very he's very very confident when Jeff Grimes can scheme something open like that and if you can shut down the run like they did last week against Kansas if uh, and make Blake Shapen kind of get you and make them kind of get away from that game plan a little bit i think that's when Baylor gets on the back foot because i will say this week more than last week is going to be a little bit more of a test for Steve Sarkeesian, the the game or the the, the play caller, because Baylor showed the ability to stop the run when TC we knew TCU uh, TCU's offense is what it is, and they held them in check for a lot of that game, particularly on the ground. I know Bijan Robinson, you know, is a more talented back than TCU's backs, but still, we just mentioned Kendra Miller's still a Doak Walker finalist, so. I do wonder more than last week, right? Last week they just keep Bijan and run it, you know, down their throat consistently, and there was no stopping him. I do wonder if they get to the first half and Bijan sitting on 15 carries, maybe averaging three and a half ish yards, if Sark decides to get a little bit uh, uh, testy and maybe opens it up a little bit. But I agree. I think if you're Texas, he has to be a little bit. Um, tunnel vision as a play caller to be like no no no, we gotta we still gotta hammer this through and see this thing through now if you're getting to 20 carries 25 and he's still getting on you know and you're in your you're losing by 10 points or whatever and you still need to open it up okay then maybe shift things but i don't want baylor is a much better defense in kansas and they're a much better run defense um so i don't i don't know i i don't see the first half success that they had last week against kansas but i do still see the potential there for something big down the line if they just stick with it and this feels like a big one for Steve Sarkeesian. Oh, you know, yeah. Dave Aranda 100%. loses this game. They go 6-6. Six and six. Well, they can point to the Big 12 championship and the Sugar Bowl championship last week, and he, he's going to get, um, you know, a, a free roll, mm-hmm. right, going mm-hmm. into this year. They're going to chalk that up to just losing a lot of leaders. 
well, this is game number 24 for Steve Sarkeesian, and they're 12 and 11. You know, mm-hmm. if they lose tomorrow on Friday, you know, they'd be 12 and 12 through his first two regular seasons. And that's not what Texas is signing up for, right? Yep. So uh, it feels like the difference between eight and four and seven and five is really, really big. Um, and we'll see if Texas can handle, you know, those expectations and that kind of pressure. It's not historically what they've handled well over the last decade. And if I'm not mistaken, do they still have an outside shot if Kansas State loses to Kansas? Yeah, if Texas wins yeah. and Kansas State loses, Texas is in the Big 12 championship game against That's TCU. So they still have they still have something to play for. Yeah, they and, do. And uh, that's that, a rivalry that K-State game game's afterwards, so they won't know yep. the result there. So they, there's no reason to go out there and lose this game. I mean, they should win this football game. And yep. if they don't, I think the conversation really starts there in Austin. Yep, rivalry game. That'll be uh, at 7 p.m. Um, it'll be in, in Manhattan, but still, the rivalry games get a little tricky. And Jaden Daniels will have another week under his belt for Kansas, so mm-hmm. that should be a fun one. All right, Mallory, what is our last game of the week? All right, let's go to Lubbock. Texas Tech playing Oklahoma this Saturday at 6.30 p.m. You can watch it on FS1. Oklahoma coming in as two-point favorites. The over-under set at 64. What I am most excited about is seeing if Joey McGuire's prophecy I was just going to say comes That's true what's on our minds, we've right? Been, we witnessed it firsthand at coaching school, <laughs> and I'm it. excited to see if his prophecy comes true. Look, he will be the king of Lubbock. Yes, I don't care will. what – OU's record will be. I don't care. All right, six and six. If they lose this game, I do not care. He would be hoisted off the field if his prophecy of beating <laughs> Oklahoma and knocking down the end zone complex comes true. It could be by a field goal. It could be by 30 points. It doesn't matter. This would be the biggest W for Texas Tech in how long? Like Very just, long just yeah, exactly. Like getting <laughs> um, Texas morally, and Oklahoma yes. Yes. in the same season absurd that's insane i don't know i yeah Craven, especially as like a first year head coach too yeah, you know, to say, at the no, program that's like that we we were obviously driving the joey mcguire hype train obviously look at the cover of a magazine um <laughs> but like there were starting to be like from a lot of people around the big 12 saying like well, what's this guy done you know like yeah. wh- why is there there's so much hype around this guy what's he there was starting to be a little bit of backlash saying like Hey, what is he actually, or is he just media friendly? Which, of course, if you're media friendly, you're going to get better coverage than if you're not. Right, right. But, like, there was starting to be some question marks. Like, can he actually coach? And 7-5, and five, wins over Texas and Oklahoma, pulling that crap in, in the alumni uh, meeting. <laughs> I don't know. That'd be more or less saying, yeah, the hype was justified. Yeah, because if they beat Oklahoma at home, they're going to do something that nobody's ever done at Texas Tech since the Big 12 started, and that's beat Oklahoma and Texas at home in the same season. So that that's one right there. Uh, if they beat Oklahoma, they'd also have a five and four record at home or five and four record in the Big 12, which mm-hmm. would be their first 500 or better record in the Big 12 since Mike Leach left. And so, yeah, I, I think for Texas Tech this year was proven that the excitement was for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And I, I think even, you know, as long as this game tomorrow is, is pretty close, right? Even if Oklahoma wins this one or, you know, if Texas Tech can figure it out to win, I think it puts it to bed. But I, I think it's just about knowing that Joey is the real deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this season he's proven that with the win at home uh, to get to six wins. You know, Vegas only had him at five and a half. So they are five. Yeah, five and a half. So mm-hmm. they've overlived that one. They've had three quarterbacks start four games if Tyler Shuck starts on Saturday. I mean, literally, they've had a quarterback start four games, four games, four games. And so um, they've dealt with a lot, kept it together, and had one of their better seasons they've had in a long time. I know it doesn't sound great at 6-5, and five, but that's just where Texas Tech has been. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, this is about the defense. You know, the Red Raiders' defense is probably 
quietly been a better unit than the offense. You know, some of that's the quarterback play mm-hmm. we were just talking about. Some of it's the offensive line. Uh, but Oklahoma's a team that can't score the ball. When Dylan Gabriel's healthy all year, they've been able to move the football and put up points. So that's going to be a test for Texas Tech. They don't have Tyree Wilson, yeah, uh, their star edge loss. rusher. Yeah. He's he's injured and he's out. He's going to start preparing for the NFL draft. So uh, to me, this one's going to be about what Tim DeRuiter's defense really is. And, and if they can go ahead and win this football game, like y'all mentioned, I mean, the hype train really leaves the station and is one that never comes back. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. I think that Tyree Wilson loss is huge. Um, but, it, oh, man, this Oklahoma team is so weird because they come out last week and they look like they're about to just pile drive Oklahoma State and the offense just stops scoring in the entire second half, basically, yeah. and gets it really inter- – I mean, you know, Oklahoma State never really has a chance themselves. They don't really get really into it. But still, we've seen this Oklahoma team have stops and starts – offensively one week it looks explosive the next even with Dylan Gabriel like it it goes scoreless for some periods does that I don't know does Texas Tech's offense who's obviously they've been kind of their own stopping and starting um Tyler Shuck didn't have his best game last week but the week before he was really solid and reliable um we mentioned his record as a starter he's a very reliable starter like you mentioned doesn't turn the ball over like a Donovan Smith maybe doesn't give you the upside of a Baron Morton but that nice little medium I think I mean there's there this de- this Oklahoma defense leaves some yards obviously. Um I think we can all agree that that Texas game was an outlier in terms of that level of of bad but they're not a great defense still. I really yeah, I don't I really don't know because more so I still it's weird how we're in the last week of the regular season and I still don't know what to think of this Oklahoma team. Like I really don't. Um and that's kind of why I'm wavering on it and maybe leaning Oklahoma because what we've seen the high points of both these these teams, I feel like Oklahoma's offense gives them enough, especially without a Tyree Wilson to kind of disrupt things by himself. Um, I'm unfortunately kind of leaning Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. All right, let's open up the wide zone and get to some of these games that people want to talk about, in particular this first one, which actually I don't know if people want to see this one, but uh, Craven does. Uh, Mallory, what is our first <laughs> wide zone game? Uh, congrats, Craven, by the way. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you definitely. Utah playing at UTSA this Saturday at 2:30 p.m. Guys, you can watch it on Stadium. Oh my! Oh my gosh! Are you, this is UTSA Senior Day. Yeah, and UC, we're oh my! UTSA God. doesn't deserve to be on Stadium. Oh, uh, anyway, stadium. they're coming in as 17-point favorites. That's probably why it's on Stadium. Maybe over/under set at 56 and a half. I will say so. UTSA announced their 21 seniors that'll be honored, and one name that is on here is one Frank Harris, um, along with Brendan Brady, J.T. Clark, and uh, Zachary Franklin as well. Um, I believe Greg Luca of the San Antonio Express News announced that players not, partake, not partaking in Senior Day are coming back. So he mentioned Josh Cephas, Nick Fortune, Tremaine Bell, Ernesto Almarez, uh, Rashad Wisdom, of course, we talked about, um, Taiki Ogle-Kellogg, and uh, Makai Hart and Brendan Matterson are the ones that are guaranteed to be coming back uh craven do you take anything from the guys that are participating in this i, I mean it think i think it means that they're at least on the fence on what they want to do and, mm-hmm. and if they're you know 50 50 let's say you don't want to skip senior day sure. decide later on that you're leaving and then not have that moment right yeah. especially for a guy like frank harris who's been there for six years who's a san antonio native who will have tons of family and friends uh there at that game and so i i get I get the decision there. I wouldn't read too much into it, uh, but I do think it's telling, right? I mean, he's not guaranteed to come back, and so 
Uh, there's work there to do if you're the coaching staff in terms of kind of getting him back on board or, or figuring that out behind the scenes. But you know, I, I think for UTSA, um, it'll be interesting to see how the Roadrunners address this. You know, like yeah. last year they were 11 to 0. They're playing for a perfect record. Um, but that last week of the year, they did not put out a performance that was indicative of what UTSA was. And mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see with kind of the same thing this year, right, where they're clinched the, the Conference USA Championship game in San Antonio. It doesn't really matter if they win or lose in terms of overall record or rankings or anything like that. You know, will UTEP have the advantage of, of having everything to play for? The Miners are, are one game away from doing something that they've only done two times in the history of their football program, and that's go to consecutive bowl games. And mm-hmm. if you look at Dana Dimble's career, he, he took over a program that had zero wins in, after 2017. They had yeah. one win in 2018, one win in 2019, and then were hurt and devastated by COVID-19 more than anybody else in the state because nobody would go to El Paso. And so to be able to go from that to a seven-win 2021 and now potentially on the doorstep of making it back to a bowl game, in 2022, despite losing Jacob Cowing and Justin Garrett and, and a couple other dudes from that program is just outstanding work. This feels like one of those program defining games for UTEP. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder if that outlook or that per- perception, you know, gives UTEP enough of an advantage to maybe make this one close. And we'll see how far the U- how UTSA wants to you know play their starters or if they pull them. You know, maybe this is one of those games where the miners kind of catch UTSA at the right time and can pull an upset. Know, that they probably otherwise wouldn't be able to. Yeah. I wonder to me how much UTEP thinks about that game last season, right? Because that was a massive game for them. Sold out Sun Bowl, one of their best, one of their best uh, crowds ever. And then Sister McCormick just punches them in the mouth like the second play of the game. And then that game's done, right? They they go down, I think, what, 23 to 6 at one point. Everybody's like, oh, okay, never mind, right? And I don't know. I, again, they, it's weird because they don't have the horses to, like, UTEP doesn't have the horses to maybe like do something similar to like punch UTSA in the mouth early and like strike big plays and all that. But I just wonder how much that that team, because a lot of that team, most of that team, uh, this team played in that game. And they just remember kind of how deflating it was like this game was almost over midway through the second half, second quarter. And I don't know. I just wonder if there's like a little bit of, you know, it's cliche to say revenge on their mind, but you mentioned it, like senior game or senior day for some of these guys. It, it, there's not much to play for in terms of UTSA, but there is just like a nice rhythm to get into. So I don't know. In my opinion, I if I'm if I'm UTEP, I'm reliving that first half last year and say like one that can't happen, right? We let we we had some mental lapses and UTSA got like two big plays on us and and it ended our you know our kind of our dream start. But also. Yeah, why not? Let's see what we got with, you know, if Calvin Brownholtz comes out. Like you mentioned, the running game looked pretty good last week. Um, and I think that, like you mentioned, the, the offense just gets a different dynamic when you can have a quarterback that does something else other than just throws the ball. Yeah, I mean, if, if UTSA loses this game, they just host a conference championship game sure. the next week right, right at home. If UTEP loses this game, every single senior on that team's done with their athletic career. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the stake, the stakes are much higher for the minors. And if they can hang in there for that first two quarters and go into halftime within striking distance, I think that builds confidence. And it'll also test the resolve of UTSA because, uh, like I said earlier, I'm not sure they want to play their starters four quarters with the game against North Texas likely coming up next sure. week. You know, we'll we'll see what that what the mindset there is for UTSA in the second half if this one's close. Yep. What's next, Mallory? 
SMU playing at Memphis this Saturday at 2.30 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN2. SMU coming in as four-and-a-half-point favorites. The over-under set at 69. Speaking of uh, college careers, Joe Hoyt uh, Mm -hmm. breaking the news that Tanner Mordecai will intend to go pro after this year. Um, I think that's a little bit of probably leaving while the stock is probably high and then also probably not wanting to have to endure another offseason of is Preston Stone the guy Yeah. Um, Yeah. while he's on this high, which I definitely respect. Um, And obviously he's dealt with injury issues this year. So like I wouldn't I don't blame him at all for at least testing the waters. Um, So, you know, Craven, what are you thinking about this one in terms of just like uh, that new added element? Is this like another nice like do you do you expect kind of a big game and a big potential showing out for a tanner mordecai you'd imagine so you you know rasheed rice tanner mordecai uh, playing in the last regular season game both up for some awards i'd imagine you know that's important to them you know what's interesting about mordecai is you know he's played for three offensive coordinators in three years yeah Uh, started started for back-to-back years and you know i don't blame him for wanting to like enter a quarterback battle again over the offseason with a guy uh, he beat out. So, I, you know, I get his decision. It's a lot like Frank Wilson, right? Like, if you're on campus for that long, like, sometimes you just want it, want something new. Sure. Uh, and I'd imagine, you know, he's at that point in his career where he'd like to, you know, not that they're not getting paid at SMU because the NIL stuff, but, right. you know, go make some money, maybe not have to take some classes and play some football, go be a, you know, grown adult outside of college. I totally get that decision. Uh, my, my worry here is, you know, as a four-and-a-half-point favorite on the road is, they played really bad on the road last week against Tulane. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they get some extra days to prepare for this one because that was again on Thursday. So you know they're going to be a little bit healthier. They hadn't played uh, for a few days extra from Memphis, so maybe that's a little bit of an advantage there. But uh, you know maybe Rhett Lashley can use that last week as like a, that's not what the standard here is. Even mm-hmm. if we've won six games and gotten to a bowl game this season, isn't yet you know over yet. Let's strap on our our chin straps because they are more explosive. So if they can limit the drops and do better tackling on the defensive side of the ball, they should be able to outscore this Memphis mm-hmm. team. But again, it just comes down to that defense. The over and under, like Mallory said, is at 69. I mean, that's that's expecting a 38-34 you know, type football game, right? right? So um, it's going to be explosive. It's going to be about points, and this is going to be about Tanner Mordecai, Rasheed Rice, and hopefully that running game uh, being able to put up more points than the Tigers can. Yeah, I think, I think you look at the secondary, and Memphis – in a lot of their high-scoring games, they're very vulnerable, right? They beat UNT, but Austin Ani had 370 through the air. Uh, they were able to force turnovers, which is kind of what lost in that game. Clayton Toon was able to get 366 against them. And even UCF, who's not necessarily a throwing team, they got about two – I believe their quarterback had like a 70% completion against them for you know about 250 through the air. So there's yards to be had absolutely through the air. But, again, yeah, it's going to be about getting that one or two stops, one or two. That's all That's all SMU really needs, uh, like we saw against Houston. You just need one or two, and you can mm-hmm. get to – obviously not 77, but you can just get to a winning margin. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree. This is – it's there for SMU, but last week was a little bit concerning, and I hope that it was just kind of a, more, said more about Tulane's kind of insurgence this year as opposed to yeah. SMU on a, on a downturn. Let's move on. TCU hosting Iowa State this Saturday at 3 p.m. You can watch it on Fox. TCU coming in as 10-point favorites. The over-under set at 47.5. Okay, question real quick. Mm-hmm. TCU coming in as 10-point favorites. Yes. Does that signify to me that Vegas doesn't s- still doesn't see TCU as? I, I was gonna say I think it does kind of lean that way. Ten points though at home. I th- I mean, 
I I think I won. Iowa State is that weird team that'll just kick you in the knee and like <laughs> and like make you like all of it. All of a sudden, you're in like a shin kicking match basically because yeah. like Kansas State barely beat them. Or, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Tech barely beat them last week. Oklahoma State got dragged into a, a weird fight with them. And even the games they've won, or even the, all the games they've lost, they haven't gotten blown out, right? Kansas State, Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. They've all been close games. Yeah. And so I think I won. I think it's weird. It's, I think it's people not being sure what I, how good Iowa State is. But I think it is leaning more towards, I think, we're, it's weird for me to say because I think there is a natural, uh, natural skepticism with TCU in general. Yeah. But I think a 10-point margin is them starting to say, like, all right, I think they are kind of yeah. a favorite. But I think this Iowa State team's a little stingy, mm-hmm. is my thing, mm-hmm. is my thinking. Craven yeah, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to blow out a team that doesn't give up many points. I mean, statistically, this is going to be the best defense TCU's faced this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just in the Big 12, but all year. I mean, their best out-of-conference defense that they face is probably SMU's, right? I mean, they mm-hmm. played Colorado and an FCS team, so – um, you know, this is going to be a challenge for Iowa or for TCU. And then also for the Horn Frogs, a thing I don't think is getting talked about a lot right now is you know, their bye was way back in September. Yeah. You know, they played a lot of weeks in a row, a lot more than their opponents are playing. And they're going to play in a conference championship game no matter what next week. And then if they win these next two games, they're going to play in a national semifinal and they'll get a little bit of break after the conference championship game. But they need it. I mean, they look like mm-hmm. a team. That was beat up last week. On that final game-winning drive, Max Duggan is limping. Kendra Miller's not in the game. Quentin Johnson's not in the game. Darius Davis isn't in the game. That's your two best wide receivers, your best running back, and your quarterback's hobbled. And so, um, you know, they're definitely a walking wounded type squad right now. I mean, just listening to Sonny Dykes' press conference, you know, a lot of those guys he thinks are going to be ready, but they're going to ramp up their work later in the week. So who knows what kind of pitch count um, they're on. Mm-hmm. And it's hard every week to play. I mean, it's hard to win football. I know we make fun of Tom Herman's like quote of like it's hard to win, you know, but it is hard to win week in, week out, right? And so getting back up, you know, we talked about Baylor having to get back up after that heartbreaking loss. Well, getting back up as TCU after the emotional on-the-road win against Texas and then the mm-hmm. emotional – on the road win against a rival in Baylor. Now you got to come back home and play what a lot of people consider is the second worst team in the Big 12, probably next, you know, West Virginia, Kansas in that discussion as well at this point. But um, you're going to have to find some uh, inner motivation if you're Sonny Dykes and that coaching staff this week. You would think the carrot of the college football playoff mm-hmm. would be enough. Uh, hopefully that is enough to kind of carry them through. Uh, this game, but Iowa State's going to make it a dogfight. They're going to make it close. TCU doesn't play all that well in the first half. It's not like they jump out huge and just start blowing out teams. They've been more of a second-half team. Um, so I'm not at all surprised if this is like 10-7 at halftime. It's just kind of an ugly, weird Saturday game that hopefully TCU is able to kind of get a little bit of cushion in the second half and win it comfortably and set up a very important Big 12 championship game for them. Yep. Uh, by the way, for reference, Sonny Dyke said – uh, Kendra Miller was limited in practice so far this week, and then Darius Davis was a full participant. Uh, Quentin Johnson, they said they're being obviously being precautious with him. They're going to hold his reps till later in the week. So you can read into that that Darius Davis is probably good to go. Quentin Johnson, they're probably optimistic, but just being very, very cautious. But regardless, the fact that we're having those conversations about those guys shows kind of proves uh, Craven's point about just like overall fatigue. So uh, what is next? Moving right along, Texas State hosting Louisiana this Saturday at 4 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN+. Plus. Louisiana coming in as five-point favorites. The over-under set at 45-ish. 
All right. How are you feeling about um, this one? I'm feeling okay about it because Louisiana is not the same program that um, – God, who's the Florida coach now? I'm forgetting his name already. Billy Napier. Billy Napier. Billy Napier. It's not the exact same program that Billy Napier left. They are taking a little bit of a downturn this year. Um, and, I mean, we've talked about it all year. This is statistically Texas State's best defense that's moving up to mm-hmm. FBS. Um, and that'll give them a shot. Now it's just about basically, if it, it, as it's been all season, if the offense is going to not even just not turn the ball over, but actually just find ways to move the ball, right? Yeah. It's, it hasn't been – Obviously, Lane Hatcher has turned the ball over some, but that's not been the only thing. It's been the thing that they haven't been able to progress and get pick up positive yards in a consistent manner, getting any kind of rhythm, things like that. Uh, running games, obviously, is, is going to be down again with, with Hill out for the year. And so I unfortunately don't – it's senior day as well. So, like, you know, a lot of these guys probably you know are going to be playing for, uh, for the last time. And I know – the outside noise has to be getting in that locker room. And obviously I feel like these guys are still playing for this staff. And so that's going to be another thing that they're gonna, that's going to be in their, in their bag. I just don't know when that eventually gives out. I just feel like that yeah. happens with teams that on the field and tang- and tangibly have nothing to play for. I feel like eventually it just kind of gives out. Now, if it doesn't, Full credit to Spavital and that staff for keeping those guys together and playing hard and all that stuff. I think the defense will still be spectacular. I just really don't find this offense doing much to pull it out. I just find Vegas to be fascinating. Like the over and under is 45, so they're expecting, and the line's five. So right, so who, how's this happening? 20 win for Louisiana. Right, Texas right. State gives up exactly 25 points. Right. Like, it's just, yeah, they're really good at what they do. Um, yeah, I, I think I agree with Ish. Like, for for Louisiana, they're a program that's used to playing much bigger games than this this time of year. And so I'd imagine that locker room isn't as up or excited for this road trip as, as maybe they would be if they were still playing for, like, a Sun Belt Conference Championship mm-hmm. or the spot there. Um, and if you're Texas State, I mean, I think they proved last week that, like Ish said, this team's still playing for that coaching staff. That noise hasn't gone anywhere. I think a lot of people would would think it's more likely than not uh, that this is the last uh, coaching game for, for Jake Spavadal at Texas State. And so, you know, if you're that locker room, if you're that coaching staff, you're going to throw everything here against the wall and see if something sticks, you know, and. Um, nothing's official yet, right? So if Texas State goes out there, wins this game, finishes on a two-game winning streak, who knows uh, what happens there in San Marcos. And so um, I think the coaching staff is fired up. I think the players are fired up. This Louisiana team is not that great. We saw Rice beat them earlier in the year. Mm -hmm. Texas State has as much talent, if not more, than Rice does. And so you know, if the offense can score some points, if the offense can get above 24 points, I think Texas State can win this one because I believe in the defense to get a few turnovers and get some stops. Yep. And last thing to, to to send this one off, if you're Jake Spavadol's coaching staff and you get to five wins, right? I was just about to say that. That's the last thing you can point to and say, and like make it hard on the administration, right? That's a that's another improvement. Now you know you could argue whether or not that's enough of an improvement, mm-hmm. but you can at least know that whatever decision happens. You can you can point to that and argue your case, right? Look, here's what's happening. Last couple of years, we've consistently built something. You know that, and you can kind of put your final, literally your final argument in the ground, right? Because if you lose this game, okay, four wins back to back years, then there's no progress and whatever. But if you could actually use that as a tangible point of progress, okay, then you have an argument to take to administration and make it a little bit tougher. We'll see. I don't know. But yeah, that'll be interesting. That will be. That'll I mean, be really genu- genuinely, just to, just just for the future of the program as a whole. Sure. Hundred percent. 
I mean, to Ish's point real quick, they haven't done that since 2014. Yep. And yeah. so, you know, that would be a significant step up, I think, for Jake Spavadol and that program. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Texas A&M hosting oh, no. LSU. This this sucks, too. Uh, this Saturday <laughs> Mallory, at 6 this game sucks of the week. <laughs> on ESPN, for some weird reason, LSU coming in as 10-point favorites. Over under set at forty seven and a half. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna be there just in case. I was about to say, yeah. this game is weird. This game is always weird. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's not in Death Valley. It's it's, it's home. Yeah, so. it's one step below AM Arkansas in terms of weirdness. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, Craven. Know. Argue more why you're going to that game. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't even mean just in case it's a good game. I mean just in case LSU oh, blows sh- out AM. Sure, I was gonna say, yeah, anything can happen. You know, um, just to see the stadium, just to see what the fans are thinking, what the emotions is around. Because usually, I mean, I didn't grow up in Aggie or anything, so I can be kind of accused of being anti A and M sometimes, and I sure. get it. But like. Kyle Field's the best environment in the state. Like, you can't beat it. Like yeah. It's an awesome place to go watch a football game. You see it on TV last week, and it was UMass, so I'd imagine it's better this week against LSU, obviously. Sure. But it didn't look like a, a fan base I was used to in College Station. It looked like one who honestly was, you know, didn't care really mm-hmm. about what the football about? product on the there. field. That It kind of seemed like they checked out. Now, this LSU team is playing for an SEC championship. They've already clinched the West, but they're in those college football playoff discussions. If they could beat A&M this week, beat Georgia next week, they're probably in it if, if one of the teams in front of them you know, falters if TCU loses or whatever. So you know, it doesn't seem like an LSU team that's not going to be motivated. Um, A&M was without so many players last week. It'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see who's back, who's not. I would think behind the scenes, even if it hasn't been announced, there's some freshmen who are entering the transfer portal, some mm-hmm. players that are entering the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. So how many of those guys are going to play? How many of those guys are going to be you know, ruled out? I think that's going to give us a hint on who's going to go and who's going to stay uh, over the offseason. I, I honestly don't think Jimbo is in danger this year. Right. Um, but if you lose 40-3 to three on Saturday, <laughs> Like mm-hmm. that's not that's not good, right? No. right? But it but if you can you know if you lose thirty five twenty eight and Connor Wegman looks really good and some of those other true freshmen look really good, I think you could walk out of Kyle Field and go, okay, some pieces are in place. We'll see what happens next year and then we'll make our decision after that. But um, yeah, it's always fascinating what goes on in College State. It just it doesn't feel. I don't know how A and M wins this game. Right? No, exactly. Yes. Like I like we could talk about this all day. But I just I I don't. I mean, it would take LSU just playing its worst game of the year. Easily. Uh, a bunch of turnovers, a bunch of weird stuff. I just don't see it happening. This feels like one where LSU just rolls. Right. This feels like a Harold Perkins domination game to me. I don't know. Like, <laughs> it, coming uh, back to Texas, of, he's like, fire, yeah. I, I feel like he's just going to go off. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, but he's coming back. The, the one who got away. Yeah, but yeah, literally the That's one that exactly was committed. Oh, yep. my God. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, I will say the worst thing that happened at AM were were a couple of things. Um, one, USC pulling out that win because now they're right behind LSU, and LSU kind of has somebody sniffing on their backside in terms of the college football playoff, and then Hendon Hooker going down for Tennessee yep. because that creates blood in the water for LSU, knowing that Tennessee's probably going to lose that next game that they play. They'll have two losses. Ohio State and Michigan play each other, and so there is a viable path for LSU to get in. They obviously got to hold off USC, mm-hmm. and what would be better than a style win, quote-unquote style points, right, against a in-conference rival, 
Yeah, but then again, I don't know. Every time we have this exact thought about A and M, they pull, they fart out some great, great game plan in the first half, and all of a sudden it's fourteen to ten A and M, and we're like, what's happening? Obviously, sustaining yeah. that's always the issue. But I, I, I agree with Craven that I don't know how they win this game, but typically that's how we're staring at a and M like three point lead in the fourth quarter somehow. Yeah. Because I, I I feel like this is one that Brian Kelly's going to lean into if he can. Oh yeah, he's recru- yeah. they're recruiting the same guys, and right. he's right. Yeah, he's, they're he recruiting knows. the yes. same guys from the same areas. And if you can go and dominate a coach in year four, when you're in year one, you yep. can go on the recruiting trail and be like, guys, I'm already laughing. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was getting yeah, you know, like, it, guys. I was getting laughed sure. at for making videos and you know weird dancing videos. And look, I can I can go and kick Jimbo Fisher's butt. Like that right. doesn't matter. Yeah. And I'm still in your best Texas recruits too, Easily. right from under your nose. Man, so I am terrified for what Harold Perkins could do. Anyway, yep. what is our last game, Mallory? Last game of the week: Houston playing Tulsa at home this Saturday at 6:30 p.m. You can watch it on ESPNU. Houston coming in as 12-point favorites. The over-under is set at 67. Yeah, this is a great team to have as your last game of the season. Yes, it is. It absolutely (laughs) is. Because Tulsa has not been very good this year. Their only wins in conference are against Temple and USF. And (laughs) both those programs are not in good spots. So Houston, who's trending back up after that that really bad loss, uh, embarrassing loss for the defense uh, to SMU and trending back the right way. Obviously they had a little bit of a weird, I won't say stumble, but it's like a weird performance against Temple, pulled it out. No problem against East Carolina, which looked, which looked like they were going to be a really good program this year to kind of put that to bed. Tulsa. I think this is, if you could end the year for Houston, that didn't go your right way. Trending up like this eight and four. Okay, cool. It's not what you wanted, but it's much better than the potentially seven and five, six and six that you were potentially staring at. I think Houston's going to roll in this one. Um, Tulsa has not really impressed me at all this year. We kind of talked about this with Texas's performance against Kansas, but isn't that performance for Houston against East Carolina uh, just more frustration for Mm -hmm. Cougars fans? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, because you look at it and you go like, well, where was, like, why isn't that the product? Right. Particularly defense defense played really well. Nathaniel Dell was excellent. Clayton Toon was excellent. Matthew Golden's. Um, arriving on the scene as, as what we thought he was as a four-star prospect, the offensive line's coming around. And, you know, if you're Houston, you know, obviously you're excited that you saw that performance. You're excited the team got the win on the road in such an impressive fashion. But I, I think in the back of your mind, it also has to, you know, illustrate the fact that that's who we could have been on a week-in, mm-hmm. week-out basis, and we just didn't do it. You know, it, you look at Houston's schedule, um, you know, there are a couple points, a couple drives away from being 10 and 2 and there are a couple drives, a couple points away from being six and six. You know, mm-hmm. it's just kind of been a really weird year for Houston. If they can finish this one with a win and be eight and four, that's not the season that they wanted, but it's also not this complete collapse of a season that we thought it might be when they were two and two or three and three, you right. know, and struggling to win against Rice and getting beat at home in overtime against Tulane with their backup, you know, third string quarterback. And so, you know, like we talked about with Texas, it feels like eight and four versus seven and five is a much different thing. If mm-hmm. Houston can win this football game, which they should at home as a 12 point favorite, and then go get a favorable bowl matchup, win that one as well, and walk out of here with nine wins. I, I think we can kind of cool the brakes on, you know, is next year a make or break year for Dana Holgerson as a first year Big 12 team? And then to that point, they need some good feelings in that locker room. Yeah. This would be a three game winning streak. Again, like we said, go to a bowl, maybe win that one. If you can go in the offseason on the four game winning streak, nine game, 
nine win season, I think you can go inside the locker room and and, and build towards the Big Twelve, right? Mm-hmm. But if you lose this game and then somehow you lose the bowl game or something like that, now you're at like a seven six season. I, I think it's just going to be hard uh, to have any momentum going into next year. So this kind of feels like a fulcrum game. Uh, for Houston, not in terms of like how we view this year, mm-hmm. but maybe how they view themselves going into next year. Yeah, I think you know I mentioned the the lack of expect the the lack of success in terms of overall expectation, but you know looking back on the season, obviously Kansas and Tulane look like bad losses in vacuums, but we ended up finding out Kansas pretty good. Obviously they got hurt down the stretch, but pretty good. Tulane, one of the best teams in the conference. Tech, that's not a bad loss, right? That's a conference peer, double overtime. It kind of happens. I think, but those, all the, and then obviously SMU was what it was defensively, just tear it down, throw it away. But I think all of those things happening, especially those three losses early, which is when the hype was the highest. I think that if these losses were spread out, it still would be disappointing because you're still not reaching the heights. But I wonder if the frustration is, you know, if you're not in October staring at three wins, three losses already, right? I wonder if it's a little bit more digestible as opposed to before you even get to October, knowing that your goals are done and you're kind of just playing for whatever at this point. Um, but yeah, the difference between the program that Houston wants to be and where they're currently at are those type of losses, right? Those frustrating losses, those overtimes, those teams that even in retrospect look good, not being able to pull those type of games out. So um, I agree. I think this this the way this season's going to end is going to be more about what they're looking like in the future going forward. I mean, because coaches never get in trouble for losing games that they're underdogs in. Right, right. You just got to win the games you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Houston didn't do that at all times this year. Um, and that that's going to be a problem moving into the Big 12. Just, you know, kind of like what we talk about with North Texas, how, you know, when I kind of, you know, when I'm on the North Texas side with Seth and Trell, it gets pointed out to me that, you know, look how they're doing against American conference opponents that they're going to be in the conference with next year. Mm-hmm. I think Houston's kind of in that same boat. You know, it's like they played two Big 12 teams this year and they lost both of them. Yeah. And so um, it's just going to be a wait-and-see approach. We're just gonna, not going to know until they get there. Sure. Right. Alrighty, that is it for us. That is our final regular season preview. We'll have we made it. obviously conference stuff, and we'll have bowl stuff, and we'll just figure out which teams are going to be in that stuff uh, this last week. And we have our final recap episode, I believe, coming Sunday as well mm-hmm. um, of the season, because obviously with not everybody playing, it'll be kind of, it's kind of a weird schedule. Um, we'll figure out the bowl schedule and all this stuff. But uh, I'm pretty sure we'll do like a big bowl show once all that's ironed out too. Yeah, stuff, we did so. one last year, and I think yeah. it did pretty well. So yeah. I feel like we should do that one again, something like that again. I agree. I agree. We so, got uh, sure. we got conference championships to talk about next week, folks. We got two two of the four conferences. Sure, I was about to say, do you want to do a recap show? Championships. Do you want to do a recap show? I mean, we, we can go and editorialize on the air right now. <laughs> do you yeah. want to do a recap show next week let's after the it. conference? Yeah, All right. let's do I feel it. like we're going to have to. I was about to say, if especially, especially if it's uh, – I mean, it could potentially be two – interstate matchups but we're at least getting one at the very least at least getting one tcu could be playing for a, a berth in the national championship i know we're not huge college football playoff right. guys but well i said um, we're yeah, at least man, getting one we're favorably getting one uh, i don't want to just annoy or piss off our rice fans just yet but we're looking like we're getting at least one <laughs> yeah well i mean either way tcu and utsa is playing for two conference championships sure i'll say interstate matchups though that's what I was oh yeah. yeah right so right. Um, well rice can prove us wrong the rice could prove us wrong, but regardless, like you said, two two in-state teams playing potentially two interstate matchups could be going on. So yeah, we'll do we'll do one next week. Um, but with that being said, we're recording this on a Tuesday because it is Thanksgiving week. So we want everybody to make sure they're having a good Thanksgiving. 
stay safe on the roads. If you're watching some high school, college football, whatever, stay warm, stay safe, all that stuff. Happy Thanksgiving from us at Republic of Football. And with that being said, we have interviewed 12 of the eventual 13 FBS, future FBS programs. Shout out Sam Houston State. And as usual, go Rutgers. Rutgers.